Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Tools for Artists panel. Yay! <laughs> Thank you for making it in here bright and early. And I'm Janique Seeley. I'm going to be your moderator. And we're going to let everybody introduce ourselves on the panel. But I just want to get a sense of who's in the room and who we're talking to today. Um, how many in the audience are artists themselves? OK. And management, platform developers. Am I missing somebody? They're all the same. It Every, seems like everybody's a platform developer, artist, self-manager, <laughs> all in one. Okay, well, I'm Janique Seeley. I'm a consultant, Janique Seeley Business Consulting. I wrote a book called Piece of the Fame to help brands, artists, individuals uh, leverage the digital ecosystem to build their brand and establish and develop their audience and ultimately make money, which is, I'm assuming everybody in here wants to ultimately make money at some point. So that's me, and I'll let everybody kind of go down and introduce themselves and describe the platforms that they're representing. Hey, what's up? My name's Jay. I'm the CEO and founder of Bandpage. Uh, we have half a million musicians using the platform to help them represent themselves online. Everything from building a website to pushing their information and content out to Conduit and Artist Growth and Pandora and Facebook and Twitter. So basically you have one central location where you can update uh, your information. That's shows, photos, videos, bios, and music and push it everywhere online. And up to, to date, we now have over a half a billion track plays uh, across all of our artists across all the different platforms cool thanks jay my name is brett welsh i'm the ceo of switchcam uh, switchcam is a platform that basically helps artists make music videos they can do it by themselves or with their fans and it all requires no editing you know the way it works is you set up your camera crew with yourself or with your friends you upload videos and then we automatically sync them for you so that you can get multi-camera videos created without any editing We've worked with artists like Sarah Burrells, Hollywood Undead, and also lots of local indie artists who just want to create some great promotional content. And that's probably most of the important stuff. Hey guys, I'm Niat. I'm the marketing director at Conduit Mobile. Um, we have an online platform for creating mobile apps and sites. Um, and we allow you to integrate all your existing online content and build up a mobile presence. And we work with anything from indie artists through small labels all the way up to the, the big labels. So sort of conduit. So I'm the co-founder and CEO of a platform called Artist Growth that launched last year and uh, began as just a mobile app for iPhone and Android. It was a tool designed for independent artists to start managing their careers, keeping track of data while they're on the road, and also learn about sort of the do's and don'ts, ins and outs of running a music career. Over the course of last year, we started working with larger management companies. And so basically now what we do is provide web and mobile tools for artists and management companies to take care of the day-to-day -day stuff of running an artist's career, and then also analyze the data that comes in from the other services that they might use, like uh, Next Big Sound or BMI or ASCAP with their PRO, and sort of bring all that data in, mash it up together, and try to help them paint a picture um, and, and look at it in an actionable way so they can apply it to their day-to-day -day careers. Great. So because we have a smaller group as well, we wanted to make this panel as effective in terms of information delivery as we could. So there's a wide gamut of an artist activities that could be discussed in terms of tools. And we don't want to spend too much time focusing on things that aren't in the core interest area of the group. So 
conceptually there's collaborative tools for content creation, there's promotional tools, there's revenue producing, generating tools, there's relationship management tools. So I think I'll make it open so that we won't just leave questions to the end. If you have something that you'd like us to cover specifically that we're not addressing, feel free to interject. But we'll sort of get started and talk about from the beginning of the, the creation process collaborative tools for creating content because ultimately as artists that's our language that we're speaking so i'll open it to any member of the panel if your platform speak to the collaborative process of content creation or if you know of tools that are helping artists to now create content either with a decreased expense or increased collaboration i'll hand it to the panel well i, I think it's probably the clearest fit with me since we create videos for artists you know I think what what we're seeing that's that's most interesting about artists and the tools that they're using now is that it's much more about I mean it's always about authentic engagement but also about participation and we're seeing more and more fans you know whether it's you know iration with their fan shirts I see Xavier sitting in the front there you know he has his fan shirts and they've been taking photos of of the fan shirts that are created by the fans and then put them on Instagram and the fans love them and share them I mean that's an example of sort of this two-way storytelling that you see and with Switchcam, you know where our whole focus is enabling the creation of music videos that that don't just use the footage that in the camera crew that you've got but actually you can get people footage from people uh, in the crowd as well and then mix that in together seamlessly so I think one of the most interesting things that we are seeing in in the artist tool space right now is ways that artists can engage their fans in more of a sort of in more, more of a two-way kind of storytelling engagement whether it's Instagram or Twitter and and some of those bigger platforms or whether it's you know more nascent platforms like Switchcam that you can use to to be you know, working with your fans to get your story out rather than just telling them, you know, what your latest thing is or what your latest song is. And just to ex explain a little bit more about what you guys do, so everybody, you know, goes to a concert, they've got their phone up, right? And you see, like, 50 people holding up different phones, and basically what they do is they pull all of those together, sync them to the music, and then so you've got, like, all the different angles of the, of the room. So that's why you'd use them and it's pretty dope so you should check it out <laughs> other cr creation tools uh content creation tools i think the ones that everybody knows you know garage band pro tools youtube to be able to just put that content up and i think you know what we talked about in the green room is is the steps you need that you need different tools as a musician you know when you just start out you record a song and there are a couple different tools that do that uh, and then to create different types of content then you need a presence online then you need information how people are interacting with you online so you know where you should be touring or where you should be you know uh, advertising so that you can then go on tour right so I kind of see this at at the beginning uh, the the con content creation stuff is there are there other tools that you guys see for for that specifically or anybody out here are there is there anybody in the audience that uses any type of collaborative content creation tools um, whether it be switch cam or for the recording process to collaborate with other artists remotely and otherwise so I was just saying that the one that I'm most familiar with is, is Indaba Music based out of New York. I'm a New York transplant, so that's kind of what I'm focused on. And uh, they, they seem to start as a company that wanted to create a recording software platform that exists entirely on the web. And they did that, but around that they built a social network that allowed musicians from all over the world to uh, collaborate remotely. Uh, and then they built on top of that a licensing system that allowed them to share the rights to the music and publish the music uh, and, and retain full ownership and divide that amongst themselves pretty slick and pretty sweet. 
Yeah, and the, the, the reason they invented that because it's diffi difficult to share GarageBand or Pro Tool files, you know, if you're sending over email. And so with Indaba, it's the same system, uh, the same tool set uh, that you can, if, if both musicians on either end of the internet have it, they can, they can pass files back and forth easily, mix and, and re-record stuff and pass it back and forth, right? Yeah, another one that uh, I think my friends use, I think it's called Gobbler. Um, mm -hmm. And that's that's a similar kind of idea where, you know, you're, you're sharing large files and, and creating content together. And that that's more specifically uh, about large files, like, right? And yeah. and they're they're headed into even a larger entertainment, like film and um, you know other other uh, kind of the arts um, segments that that you've got to share those big files. Right. I think more so than in David, do they do big file sharing as well? Yeah, one of the things that's really interesting about Gobbler is the concept of not overwriting the source file. So when you upload your file, the file stays intact, um, and it will also allow you to down-convert into different file formats. So people that are operating on different systems, using different formats to make edits to content, they're you know more familiar, more comfortable with different native tool sets. Gobbler will allow you to collaborate over um, with different in uh, native systems with the same source file without changing, the, having to convert the, the basic source file. So it's a very interesting tool and it's very much focused on entertainment users. Uh, it's sort of like a, a very specialty focused Dropbox. So that also allows you to convert files. I got one more I just uh, remembered. Uh, Brick and Morton Media is, uh, is a local um, <laughs> firm here in the city. Uh, basically what they do, they've got a studio where uh, a musician can go to them and they'll record you playing you know a couple songs in their studio or they'll come to your show and record you and what they're doing is creating a big database of live show footage and you get to have that footage for free and and use it for promotional purposes or whatever but they also get the right to use it on their platform um, and sell ads against it or something but basically it's pretty cool you get a free recording of your show at their place or at your uh, live venue and and then you get to take that and use it however you want uh, for pro promotional purposes and then they also take it put up on their platform and uh, if they make any money off of it they they give some meat to you as well so brick and mortar media check that out and so those are sort of a basic tool set for the early stages of content creation i think we can also use this time to talk conceptually about what it means to be an indie artist and the ecosystem as it's evolving and with the advent of additional digital tools and resources. And one of the things I wanted to give this quote that I thought was really interesting is from the sort of fairy tale story uh, of the day, the Macklemore, you know, quasi-independent success and winding up, you know, all over the radio and on, on Billboard, and the debate of what it actually means today to be an independent artist, and the tools and resources that you need to be successful in that landscape. Um, one quote that stood out to me is from Clyde Smith um, from Hypebot. He said, at the end of the day, it takes a village to get paid. And so we want to kind of talk about what that village actually is for what is basically an indie artist and the concept of an indie artist is a lot broader today than what it, it used to be. So I'll give this to the panel and, and anybody can take this question. What do, you, what do you think it means to be an indie artist? And in terms of ecosystem, what are the fundamental tools that you would need, not necessarily a specific platform, but the fundamental functions and tools that you would need to ultimately see revenue from what you're doing. 
Well, for me, I think um, in terms of what it means to be an independent artist, I think I, I think that's a really there's a lot of dimensions to answer that question. I think at the at the most basic of it, it, it takes a very brave person and uh, it takes a, a brave spirit to to be that, and then also somebody who has vision and, and is entrepreneurial. And when you start talking about revenue and um, you know building a business in this in this new paradigm of uh, music in our culture and I think that um, you know it's interesting I'm always the one on the panel whose uh, product and service doesn't touch fans at all you know, so we don't have any engagement with the artist fans we don't build the tool to help you promote to fans our whole existence and purpose is to track the effectiveness of the of the way you're engaging your fans through other services and then try to help the artists or the teams make smarter decisions about how they do it next time um, and then manage sort of the ins and outs and I think that one of the most interesting things to me about the ecosystem uh, in the space is how it is responding, how the music technology community is responding to the the call from the artists and the managers and, and the people working in the space to make the experience uh, not only more streamlined but also um, more clear and, and using all of these different tools and different platforms to create systems that point towards certain kinds of careers. Um, so it's not so vague and you're not just out there spinning your wheels wondering if it's working, but you say, well, this is the kind of career I want, and, and there's several services working together to help me get that, or this is the kind of career I want, and there's several services that have banded together, or there's a, there's a pathway for me to get to that if I want to get there. And I think over the next year or two, it'll be interesting to see how that evolves and how the, the, the call from the, from the artists and the managers influences the way we shape the landscape and the terrain of the, of the digital community, as it were. Yeah, I think being an independent musician, you're you're way better off now than you used to be, um, given all the things you can do for free or for very cheap. Um, I mean, you think like just a couple, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago, um, you couldn't just simply record your, your music and, and put it up. Uh, it would cost you a ton of money to do that. And then if you wanted to promote yourself, like get the word out, you had to put up flyers like an idiot, you know, and like, <laughs> you know, uh, get 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 ads in the newspaper or whatever um, but now you have these free ways to record free ways to promote yourself um, online and then if you spend a little bit of money on advertising on Facebook ads Google you know in different ways to, to get your your presence out there it, it's it's incredible and Matt what you're talking about then once you're out there you're now able to know where your fan base is located very specifically what time they're interacting with you, what their demographic is. That's really important. I think it's it's really time for independent artists to start to pay attention to those things because we have the ability to do that. It's not it's not just about the hustle. It's not just about standing on the, the street corner going into coffee shops and handing out flyers and handing out handing out your C D to people. It's the the new hustle is is this. And because you know where your fans are located, then you know exactly where to tour. You know where you should be promoting yourself, and, and then you will actually start building a career that way. And so, you know, the way I always look at it is you find either yourself uh, or you find somebody that's, you know, business inclined, it's a, a friend that just, that just does this stuff to build a, a, a simple strategy of I created music. I need to put it up there so people see me. I need to see where people are interacting with me, and then those are the places that I'm going to start focusing on to play shows at, to buy ads, and I'm talking like 25 or 50 bucks instead of 
uh, like I I live with a <clears throat> with a music like a, a local musician that's trying to make it and instead of buying posters or flyers instead of spending 25 bucks or 50 bucks on that spend uh, advertising dollars where you can pinpoint the people that are fans of you online or in the specific this specific demographic that you should be targeting and you'll start to see that success so I think that kind of speaks to the role of data and data in reducing the costs of aggregating your fan base of managing that relationship and of getting uh, your content to the desired audience. And maybe we can talk about um, data, because I know some of your platforms deal in data and deliver delivering data to artists. What should artists, what kind of data should artists be looking for in a platform? What should the platform be delivering to them? How should they be analyzing that data? And how can that help them ultimately make more money or save money on the promotion on their promotional efforts? So I think artists should always leverage whatever it is that they're doing. Once you've chosen a certain route and you're using certain services, the best way is to integrate them and make sure you're managing everything centrally. And then you can get analytics off of what you're doing, you know, and viewing what's working and what's not. So you're focusing all your energy and your resources in things that are actually bringing you back money um, and helping your, your, you grow and grow your fan community. And also to go off of what Jay was saying before, you know, taking note of where your fans are and where things are working, what areas you should be in, you know, where you want to be performing and where you need to be promoting your shows or your music strongly. Um, so sort of, you know, just looking at the data and learning from it, I think, is important. I think it sort of depends what you're talking about, but for example, in the mobile industry, I know that we offer deep analytics off of your mobile site and your mobile app, so you can see exactly um, what pages are working, who's viewing them, what devices they're using, where they're located, um, so you can really learn a lot about how things um, are working based on, on what you're using. And I think a lot of our platforms offer those type of services. And I think just to speak broadly and, and neutrally, since I don't represent any particular platform and see a lot of different platforms. You mean we're not impartial? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but I definitely am. And I can say that um, a lot of platforms do integrate and are starting to increasingly integrate an analytics component to what they're offering. And even if you look on a discrete service-by-service -service basis, whether it's YouTube, whether um, it's you know other platforms, uh, Facebook, the larger platforms, they do allow you some kind of visibility into your demographics, um, like gender, like you know, geography. So that's very, very uh, crucial for an artist who's trying to figure out where they should focus their efforts in touring. If you have limited resources, you can only hit certain geographical areas, you need to know, well, where are people accessing my music? So that speaks to making sure that you're observing your geographical data to better focus the limited resources that you might often have as an independent artist. Yeah, I think just to add to that, uh, it's, it's not the most important thing is not to measure everything. It's to measure the things that matter to you at the time. So, you know, it's always about what your next goal is. If your goal is to start building a tour plan, then you want to be looking at geographical data so you can tour. That, you know, that keeps coming up. Uh, it doesn't matter if you have 10,000 fans or, or, or 5,000 fans or, or whatever it is on Facebook that, that you're currently measuring. In that case, what ma matters is where they are. And, uh, you know, YouTube views are another great example of, of where you can get an idea of where your fans are. Um, 
what next song you should release. You know, if you've, if you've got an album and, and one of them is getting a, a lot of views on YouTube, that's the metric you should be measuring. So I think it really depends on the stage you're at as an artist and also the, you know, what your plan is, you know, just as, as businesses have op- op- the as businesses have an operational plan for the year, you know, and an artist has an idea of what they might want to be doing in the year, whether it's building an album, um, you know, starting a tour, then all of those things will guide you in terms of what actual metrics you should be looking at um, specifically. So I would I would advise against going and trying to build some monolithic dashboard and instead <laughs> focus on you know the the top three or four metrics that actually affect your next next steps that you've got uh, in mind. I think yeah, these the the independent platforms you should definitely focus on. Um, if you're not looking at Facebook Insights, go do that today. Uh, you're gonna learn exactly where your like where your fans are interacting with you. If you're on YouTube, do the same thing. If you don't have uh, a video up and you're a musician, you need to do that today. Um, uh, same thing with Twitter. And the reason is because fans uh, they 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 like different platforms for whatever reason. They're not all on one, and so you need to be easily found across these different major platforms. So. Um, so once you're on them, then you can get information back. But um, then the dashboards you were you're asking about. Okay, where do I pull all this information in? Um, artist growth. I think uh, you can you can pull that information in. Uh, Next big sound mm-hmm. is the one that I think a lot of people use. It's at the um, it's at the label level. They've got a couple deals with labels too. Um, um, big champagne. Um, is one Live Nation just bought, and so they should be coming out with some interesting stuff um, mm-hmm. now that they've got a big company behind them. Um, and then Nielsen, um, you know, if you want to pay some money, um, that's obviously what the labels use or like upper management. Um, but uh, that's that's when you get into more complex data of uh, how do, how you should sort that and what brands you're related to and right. um, you know. All those yeah, and I I think one of the the main things to take away from this is that as an independent artist, number one, and I think this is kind of in summary, you don't have to analyze every bit of data. And number two, you don't have to pay to aggregate data. And I think, you know, that's one of the, the two, two of the important takeaways as independent artists when you have limited resources, both financial resources and time resources, or as a smaller conglomerate, uh, you need to focus your efforts. So make sure that you know what you're measuring and focus in on measuring only that data that's going to have a substantive impact on what you're focused on at the time. So let's... Could I add one, oh, one, yes. one more little piece on this? Because um, before I got into doing artist growth, I was, you know, the guy driving around in a van with his friends you know, for years, playing shows all over the East Coast. And I would come to these conferences and I would hear things, you know, and I still do. You just like measure your data, look at your data, and you get really inspired. You go home on, from a practical standpoint and you go into Facebook Insights or you go into YouTube Analytics and you, you, you see a bunch of line graphs and you're like, okay. What do I do with that? You log into Next Big Sound, you see line graphs of of uh, your traffic, and all of these things are incredibly important and valuable. But from a practicality standpoint, the the two words that I would that I say over and over again to artists and managers is context and correlation. And I think it's really important to look at these line graphs or pie charts, all this data that you can get, in the context of what it is you're actually trying to achieve right then with your music. Are you trying to sell records? Are you trying to book a tour? The data is available every single day. It changes every day. You can download a new graph tomorrow that'll probably look a little different than it did yesterday. And so whatever you're trying to do that day, 
look at the data in the context of that and then correlate it across the services. And what I mean by that is um, if you see something, a certain kind of traffic on your Facebook and you recognize a certain demographic of fan, well, what's your traffic look like on YouTube and Twitter and where are the points where they line up and it's the same? And that can really help you target who it is that's working on those sites on your behalf, where your fans are that really matter. And so I think it's really important to correlate all these services analytics against one another and then continually think and ask yourself, am I looking at this in context of what it is that I'm trying to achieve right now? Instead of just looking at big data and going, oh, what does all this mean? <laughs> you know, and that's, that's, an, that's another example of where context is important. Are you trying to understand who your fan base is? You know, or, and then another context would be, I'm trying to push a new single and get some downloads. And so you're looking at the data differently. And you know, there's an artist, I think it was Zoe Keating who wrote a blog post during the whole uh, Internet Radio Fairness Act thing when it was all inflamed and about Spotify. And I loved what she wrote where she basically, I think it was her, uh, whoever it was that wrote it, the artists basically said, I don't care about the money coming in from Spotify, keep the money, um, give me my data. I want to know who's streaming me, where they are, what they look like, what they, what they, what cereal they eat, you know, every, every piece of data that I can get because then I can build a tour and, and the career's back in my hands and I'm not waiting on a few cents coming in from a royalty from a, a streaming spin or something like that. And I think that's the mindset that is so important, whether you're a manager or an artist is, is thinking about the data and thinking about how these services can inform you. Um, and and then you know when it's actionable, you can actually make a decision and, and move your career forward. And that actually brings up a really interesting point about the different types of platforms you can focus on. Um, you know, when we're working with Sarah Brails, for example, she has massive Twitter following, and her Facebook following is still large, but not nearly as large as her Twitter following. And so that's because early on she focused on Twitter; it was kind of her thing. But with Twitter, you don't get as much data, you don't get the you know the demographics, you don't get the location stuff. Maybe you can pay for it. I'm actually not. You know, there's different ways you can do it. With Facebook, it's different, right? You can get all that information, but the demographic skews a bit older. The kids are apparently leaving because it's not cool anymore. And, and going to Tumblr. Going to Tumblr. So, you know, or do, Seriously. You, or do you want to focus mm -hmm. on Tumblr and, like, build, you know, be photo putting photos on Tumblr? Like, what does that give you? So I think if, you're, if the phase of artists, you know, speaking with talking about keeping the end in mind, if the phase that you're in is building your fan base, choosing which platform to really focus on, is almost just as important as going and looking at the data afterwards because you know that that choice of Twitter or Facebook or Tumblr comes with it certain things. And, you know, Facebook has, has a lot of data, but Twitter has, uh, is more open and, you know, information spreads more quickly through Twitter, for example, as well. So understanding pros and cons is important too. Yeah, I think it kind of really depends on who you are and who your fans are and where you're getting that user participation and feedback. You know, you don't always want to be on all these platforms. It depends how much time you have. And it also depends on who you want to be as an artist and what you like doing. So, you know, each artist is different. And, we, you know, I can't tell you use this service or use that service. It depends on who you are, what you like doing, and what your fans respond to. So I think, you know, feeling also the user participation and seeing where you're getting the feedback and where you're getting users participating and sharing with each other <coughs> is also a really important thing to take into consideration. Okay, so just one quick thing administratively. If you have a question, if you could just wait for the mic so that um, it can be registered. So just out of curiosity, uh, I asked this question four years ago at South by Southwest at, at a conference, and I, I'm curious to see if the answer has changed. What is your opinion on using one social networking tool to spout out to all your other tools? Like, say, using Twitter 
or reverb nation or something like that and or artist growth or um one place to say your message maybe from your phone and have it tweet or spit out to all your others is that ill-advised as a way of managing all those at once yeah, so I usually find that that doesn't really work because, you know, the different social networks work differently and users respond differently. And it's like you see hashtags on Facebook posts and you're like, what are you talking about? So I think that people can see that when it's something that's automated and just being spurred out as opposed to genuine interaction. So to really build a community, I think that you need to sort of dedicate yourself to specific channels and, and focus it's, your energies. It's also worth understanding a, a little bit about how, you know, back in the day it used to all be about SEO. How do you S optimize for search engines and use keywords? And, and that was a really big part of online marketing. And so now I think it's understanding the same kind of thing but for Facebook. But Facebook has this algorithm called EdgeRank. And EdgeRank basically ranks all of your posts and then decides how many people to show it to. Write down, write down that word and... Google it. Yeah, it's up. very important. So with edge rank, and so edge rank rate basically gives your each one of your posts a ranking, and then it uses that ranking to show to figure out how many of your fans to show this to. Now you can see this on a personal so level. Just for example, is that if you have a thousand fans? Yeah. So so let's say you have yeah let's say you have a thousand fans. Now if if I post uh, if I post something that's a, like a text update. You know, probably between two and ten percent of your fans will, will, on average, will see that, whereas every other one it will just sort of float by. If it's non-promoted. Right. Yeah. So, well, that's a separate <laughs> thing. So, if you're, but if you are really in close contact with your fans and they're and they're always liking your posts, they clearly like what you have all the time. The affinity grows, and that edge rank gets higher, and that means that they're more likely that that number can start to jump much higher beyond ten percent. Uh, so, am I explaining this fairly? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. That it's important to understand if you, when you're using these tools like to that post across different services. For example, I used to use Path, and what I noticed, and Path's a, a live streaming tool, I guess a diary tool. You take photos and you can share them on your iPhone. Now, when you po when I posted something from Path in, and I connected Facebook, it would get much less visibility than if I just posted a, fo a photo direct on Facebook. And that's a, an example of my personal edge rank that I have with my friends. That, and that's built into the algorithm, actually. So it's, that's, it's that's not just... In the, that, underneath the hood, yeah. Yeah, that's not actually just because you didn't write it custom for Facebook or for Twitter or for Path or for yeah. Tumblr or any of those. It's actually because if you post, if it comes from another network, um, the algorithm knows that. The, the robots that are running Facebook know that. And... Uh, and dock it because it's they know that's not going to be as interesting you exactly didn't, you didn't put the time and effort and energy into um putting it specific to this platform specific to your fans that are following you on this platform oh sorry so that's exactly why if you have something that aggregates across from from twitter it might get lower edge rank because facebook the, the internal robots know that it's from somewhere else yeah. Also, to kind of go along with her, I think that um, it's really important to give exclusive content to each different website for marketing purposes, because you want to give your fans and you know uh, people who are listening to your music different reasons to go to different sites and different things, so they get different content and they feel like they're kind of part of an exclusive, uh, you know, whatever they go, whatever site that they are pleased to go to, you know, they feel like they're getting something special that you're not going to get on every other website. So, that's all I want to say. So there's. There's a question here and a question here. Um, yeah, continuing on that, uh, a lot of the artists that I was using for a while were on Posterous because that was an easy aggregation tool, but it was getting dinged. Um, but how do you guys feel about Instagram? Because that's like the easiest thing for my artists to use, and you know, 
they're like me artist picture everywhere you know and then that works like they they see they take a picture they see that it actually works and then i mean do you are you guys seeing that get dinged by edge rank but or well so because they Instagram, own it now so. yeah yeah that's, that's what i'm thinking yeah. and, and then, it actually in reverse right it used to be that when you saw a tweet with an instagram photo it would show in stream now mm. it doesn't now it doesn't mm-hmm. so that's like the opposite right is that it's it's dinged for twitter but not for facebook right. so again it comes down to knowing where your where your audience is right if you're on facebook then instagram's probably is still just as good as always twitter what they're doing is they're using it to like push even to like four square branded pages we have that we do mm. now and but they're just kind of using them, I think, to start those conversations, and then they go back and then reply and, and, and engage in those fashions. So they use Instagram to push everywhere, and then they, they'll go back and talk with those mm-hmm. fans on those different networks instead of just letting it sit there. We have one more question, but I'm gonna sort of get to another topic, because I think we have at least introduced the concept here and have given people some additional information to, to research. So definitely look into edge rank and also uh, observing edge rank changes. So um, it's it makes sense, it's worthwhile to stay abreast of what the changes are either reported on the blogs or um, some other way if you are observing your own analytics to see what's uh, more effective and most effective in getting view count on Facebook. Uh, so. And that that's it's a, that we could spend an hour and a half talking about yeah. that alone, <laughs> but I think um, we've sort of led into organically the concept of relationship management for artists, managing relationships with your fans, um, and one thing that I think is really important is up converting your connections that you make via the social media platforms that I call looser connections to more closely held connections and more closely controlled connections, ultimately having. Um, an email address or a mobile number or something that is very personal and direct in terms of relationship uh, to the fan. So can you speak to tools and concepts, best practices for managing relationships with fans and up converting those relationships from you know, basic outreach via s- social media platforms into email and, and other types Did of contacts? question? Yeah, yeah. D- is this related to the last topic? Or it this is. One? Okay. For instance, on Facebook, would you recommend doing nothing versus doing something that's getting low hits and saving something, for instance, like a video where you're going to get a high spike of activity? Sorry, can you say that again? Would you recommend doing, concentrating all of your efforts on one thing that you know is going to work, get higher analytics, versus, say, doing little posts? Absolutely. Just yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and specific to Facebook and Twitter, the, the rules generally are like post twice a day, Twitter post once a day or so to, to Facebook and specifically Facebook you're again every time you post something if people uh, don't like it or comment on it the rank your rank goes down so if, if you post something and nobody does anything with it they don't like if they don't even if they don't like say market a spam or something else it goes down and so every post that you make you want to make sure somebody's going to engage with it and mm-hmm. I think this leads well into your point which is how do you make how do you make sure people engage with that um, one of the one of the the, the groups that um, started doing this most effectively is a group called Pomplamus. Um they're, they're YouTube uh, stars uh, and they're made up of two folks Natalie Don and Jack Conti um, and uh, they w- one of the things that Jack did uh, specifically when he posts on would post on Facebook instead of just make a post he would do that and then immediately in the comment section 
say, I'm going to be here for the next 30 minutes if you want to talk about this picture or about this video or this song. And he got 10 times the return uh, from people, you know, talking with him. And um, <clears throat> I think, I think uh, another important thing to know is um, immediately when a Facebook post is made, uh, if you can, ha if this is cheating the system, but if you have, you know, a couple people teed up to like it quickly and comment on it quickly, <laughs> it'll immediately get out to uh, more, more of people. your fan base. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. there's a little trick you can you can do for engagement. Yeah. And so in terms yeah. of increasing engagement, and that Facebook is a great tool for that, um, for outreach and for starting to build relationships. And there are tools that you're with your, as an independent artist or as an artist in general, any type of artist, uh, your relationship with your fans is one of your greatest assets. So there, hopefully we can talk a little bit about some tools that will help with that and some best practices to convert fans from just Facebook likes to email addresses or people that yeah. become part of your close network. So there's a, a really great tool called Tunesy, or Tunesy as, as Americans would say. Um, <laughs> and uh, Tunesy is basically, Derek is here today somewhere. I don't think he's in the room though. So the, the CEO and founder is here. You should find him, if you should talk to him if you see him. But basically it allows, they what they focus on um, building points, like fans can build points. Um, and then they can use those points and dollars to buy experiences and do things with an artist. So, for example, if you're uh, if you're an artist and you know you're you're touring in a town, you know your fans can actually buy um, you know a backstage experience with you. You can you know get a photo, you can hang out, or you can go to dinner or go to the local you know arcade or bar and hang out with with this artist. And they spend the points that they get via engaging online, and they also um, and or, or they can pay for it or both. And so that's a really good example of, of sort of taking, you know, building these extra experiences that fans really like um, and building them on top of, uh, you know, a really sort of low-touch platform like, like Facebook and then turning it into this sort of high-touch experience and monetizing it as well. Yeah, I think um, two things, and this, this is the last question and this question, I think two things that are really important, we touched on it a lot, the last question is understanding how the tools work, how the platforms are built under the hood, so to speak, and knowing that. Um, but also knowing how your fans work and how people out there work and how they're using those tools. You know, so for instance, like I rarely have ever, if ever, have gone to Facebook to buy a record. Um, I go there to do other things, and so I don't really like getting propositioned to buy records on Facebook. But I do like uh, the opportunity to go to somewhere else, um, you know, to go deeper into something, maybe an invite on Facebook to do that. And I'm still a really big believer in owning a little bit of real estate online for yourself that you control. Absolutely. I think it's incredibly important and I think using social media and any other app or tool that's out there to sort of invite people and bring them back to your domain and the place where you are able to set up with the experiences as much as you can is really valuable. How many artists in the room have a website? How many don't? Okay. So good. Pretty much everyone. That's good. Yeah, that's really yeah, good. good. You know, so understand what they're using the tool for, engage them in that way. If they're on Facebook to be social and hang out, be social with them and be available to them to communicate meaningfully. If you want a meaningful relationship, make yourself available. Um, you know, the, I think the days of being like, oh, I just, the convenience, I just want to do a post and throw it out there and then I'm done with it for the day and everybody should just flock to my post, that's not really going to work. If, if I don't think that ever worked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I mean, the, the, the psyche, I think, I think a lot of people yeah, yeah. have had a sort of psychological perception of technology exists to make it 
it's where the artist has to do less work. I don't think that's the way to think about it. I no, think I think Jay put it best, you know, earlier when he said that this is the new hustle. Yeah. Like being online is the new thing that you do instead of yeah. going and handing out flyers. And mm-hmm. I, thinking about it that way as well, how much time do you spend recording and touring and hustling? Like that's that's that that pie, that hustle pie is your internet pie, you know. And and you should be spending time doing all those things and doing exactly what Pomplamoose does. I think. And, and sorry, just to tie it into like mobile for a sec, I think that it really depends what you're trying to do because you have the option of having a mobile site or a mobile app. So regarding user engagement, I think that apps are much more relevant for that specific issue. You know, um, sites are great for increasing discovery and allowing new people to find you and be able to access your content easily on a mobile device. But if you really want to build up um, a fan community, then an app gives you a lot more tools for doing that and for staying directly in contact with your fans and being able to message them and speak to them directly. So, I, I think this also speaks a bit to the what Jay said about um, optimizing your use of each platform in accordance with um, how the audience on that platform reacts and the best ways to mobilize and leverage and activate their interest. And one of the best platforms you can have is your own platform, your website. And I think uh, you know artists probably learned from the MySpace era that it's not always the wisest thing to allow a platform that you don't control to own your relationships. So in taking that, that education, creating your own email list, your own website, your own platforms where you control the experience is something that's also fundamental to this and it's, it's a tool that you basically create for yourself. So that's something. I wanted to talk a little bit about mobile um, for artists. I think you know it's, it's, a, it's an emerging uh, platform. It's a kind of a buzz term and people think, okay, I've definitely gotta be active in this realm to be with it and be optimizing my use of, of technology. So can we speak a little bit on the panel about the best use of mobile? There was, there was a statistic that um, only about 1,000 apps in the App Store have 50,000 users at present out of almost 800,000 apps. So as an artist, does it make sense to have an app? When does it make sense to have an app? What's the best use of an app? And how do you make mobile work for you? So I think, first of all, realistically, especially for indie artists, having 50,000 fans anywhere is a big deal. Mm -hmm. So if your mobile app doesn't have 50,000 users, that doesn't really matter. The point is that you're building a community who you have a direct connection with. And I think that in today's era, be it an app or be it a mobile site, when so much of people's daily lives take place via a mobile device, their online activity, their leisure, their social networking, all happens on a mobile device. You have to make sure that you're optimized for mobile and that people accessing your content can view it and interact with it on their mobile device. So depending on what you're doing, if you have your own site, make sure that it's mobile optimized and that people can access it from a mobile device. And if you are going to build an app, what you need to take into consideration is that it's going to take effort on your part. You need to keep it updated. You need to maintain contact with your fans via that mobile app and make sure that you've got your content integrated automatically so that it's always updating. Like one of the great things that we do with BAM Page is that we allow you to connect your BAM Page account to an app and then anything that you do on BAM Page is automatically reflected in the app. So you're not managing multiple sources of content. You add new videos, you add new songs, you're selling new tickets for a concert, all of that is automatically going to be reflected in your app. So where you can, make it easier on yourself so that you don't have to manage multiple sources. But on the other hand, bear in mind that you do still want to have direct communication with your fans through that app. 
otherwise there's no point in having it in the first place. You know, I think that last year a lot of people thought in the mobile world that if you want to have an app, you have to have some really cool gimmick in your app. I don't know, a game, some amazing thing that allows people to do something awesome from the app, and that's the only way they're going to download it. But really the truth is that people get bored even with that. So they'll download the app, play with it for a month or two, and then they delete it. So you're probably not going to have 50,000 fans, but if you have 1,000 or 2,000 fans who keep the app on the phone and make sure that they see whenever your concerts are coming, where you're playing, um, listen to your latest music, maybe buy something from iTunes or Amazon or whatever. So that's a great thing to have, and that's a community that's worth investing in. So. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a similar kind of scenario as with Facebook and Twitter, uh, where, whereby, you know, if you put the same content across all platforms you know there's no point having a mobile app right like at that point you know because why would you download an app that's just the same as the mo as, as the as a mobile site um, it, it's not what you really need to be doing I think for, for a successful mobile app or something that's worthwhile you want to be doing exactly that and communicating with your fans regularly more regularly than perhaps through other channels um, and and use it as use it as a platform similar to to Facebook and Twitter it's a marketing platform and keep in mind that if you have the same content across all platforms, then you're going to see a reduced sort of efficacy. Um, maybe it's still worth going to the effort of having an app, but it is it is an effort, you know. And, and it's I think to your question, when when the when is the right time to have an app? I think the right time is when you actually have enough bandwidth to be managing all these different platforms. And in the meantime, uh, you know, focusing on on the ones that give you the best return is probably the best approach. I think we we only have about probably less than 15 minutes now. So I just want to see how many questions we have. So we should probably go to the questions and. Um, so backtracking a second about the emails. So assuming once you know you get to the ultimate level of collecting these emails, um, which I haven't had a problem doing, mm -hmm. I have had a problem with deliverability. Like I know a lot of you know these, I'm just reviewing the analytics of my email listing that my interactions are sometimes low. Um, which so platform, sorry, which platform are you using to send your emails? Um, I used eye contact for a while. Um, you should try MailChimp. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say MailChimp I was going to recently That's, that's to probably the biggest problem that you have there is the okay. platform you're using. Second question, um, so when I have, say, free music, I want to blast out one of my artists, you know, releases a song for promotional purposes. Um, I know a lot of these platforms don't allow you to uh, include attachments. At the same time, I know a lot of people are just bombarded, like so bombarded with music and emails that nowadays I feel like even just clicking a Mediafire link is too much work for people. What do you think is the best way to get free music into people's SoundCloud. Ha hands? Yeah, Sorry, SoundCloud. I said SoundCloud. Yeah, yeah I'm going to agree with that. Yeah, I think it's a great platform for promoting your music and also because SoundCloud connects with so many other yeah. services, mm -hmm. it means that your music's going to be available on every platform that you're using. And people so. can listen to it on in Facebook, in stream, you know, same with Twitter, I think. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I think one of the things to think about when you're using tools, because there's so many tools to perform, there are various tools to perform certain functions, you know, that you need. One of them is, is the embeddability and the access via the larger platforms. So SoundCloud is pretty universal at this point, as is YouTube for video. You know, so thinking about those things is going to reduce your, your burden. Um, and one thing about email, too, probably your use of email um, to send out free music. You, you might want to save emails for something even larger than that. So if you're going to tweet out a free music link, that might be more effective than 
using an email to do that because there has to be an additional click through from that platform, whereas Twitter, sometimes people can just access it in the stream. So, I've got some ideas for you too. Just talk to me after the panel. One question I have for you really quick, and this is for anybody really too, is do you send out emails, one email to your entire email list? Is that how you do it? Or do you have different customized emails for the people who always open my emails, I'm sending them this email. The people who have sometimes opened my emails get this email. Or is it one blanket email? Because I think a lot of times you can utilize people who are you recognize are deeply engaged and, and even ask them to help you accomplish goals in the emails, in the communications you have with them, which draws them in even deeper. And so people who are really engaged take advantage of that and communicate on a personal level almost. Um, about when you're you know trying to achieve certain things and don't just blanket them uh, with sort of generic stuff that you would send anybody because there's nothing for them to really engage with at that point They're, they can't go deeper but if if you know these 300 people out of my 10,000 people on the email they open it every time they always click the links they always go to YouTube that's somebody to say hey could you forward this on I'm trying to do this and I'd like your help and then all of a sudden you have uh, not a MailChimp thing going out, but you have a person sending it to people who they know are going to open it because it came from their friend. You know, so think think like that when you put even blast emails together and stuff like that. Yeah. There are other questions. Okay. Yeah. There's a question here. Uh, yeah, I'm just wondering because it seems like the theme of of your talking is that the artist is at the helm of a community, but isn't the role of the artist just to make music and no. to see where the community falls in? Um, if you want to do it as a hobby, sure, absolutely. But if but if you want to like, you know, get fans and play in front of people and sell music and do that for a living, then you know you need to let people know about it. And you need to be where people are, and so it starts to get into, you know, growing a business. And uh, so these are the platforms and tools that will help you do that. Um, and if you if you're not into that, uh, like I said kind of earlier, get a friend that um, is into that. Um, there are a lot of people that would love to be in the music business, but aren't good at music at, you know, aren't good at creating music. And so if they can be like, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm managing this artist or I'm helping this artist and I, I booked them the show and I'm, you know, I'm backstage or whatever. They love that because they, they can't play music or they're not that inclined to do it. And so, um, so if you want to do it as a hobby, sure. Um, just do that, but if if you want to, you know, play in front of people and start selling music and, and tour and stuff like that, then then you need to be thinking about these things. One or important your friend does. One important question I think all artists should ask themselves if they do go down the career path um, and and they don't just want to you know write songs in their house and put them out there for the world to embrace as it will, um, and and sort of let it have its own life. If you want a career, I think one of the first questions you should ask is what do I want it to look like at the end, because it will have an end. All careers do. Um, you know, so what do you want it to look like? Do you want to be Lady Gaga or do you want to be Over the Rhine, you know, or Mary Gaucher? You know, so it, it, it should, uh, the answer to that question will inform all of the choices that you make, how you engage your fans, what platforms you use, all that stuff. So understand what kind of career you want and, and how you want it to be when it's done. But yeah, it, it all doesn't matter if the music isn't good. So you obviously have to focus on that and then after step two and three and four those the things that we're talking about so yeah. we have about five more minutes and i think we have like four or five more questions so what i would ask is if you have a question can you just if you can ask it to a specific person and just one because one answer so we can get to everybody's question 
Hi, thanks. Adi, I'm an artist in San Francisco. Just wanted to ask Lee a little more about uh, mobile apps. So for somebody who hasn't dabbled in it, I want to understand if there's some resources that help for getting information on who uses apps so that you know if your fan base is comprised of those people and it makes sense to jump from Twitter and Facebook and all that to apps. So um, I think I would take a look at my fans and I usually recommend starting off with a mobile site and then progressing from there to an app because you can tell a lot from just having a mobile site as to usage of that and how people are interacting with it. And there's a lot of platforms out so a website that's optimized for mobile. So once you can see if people using mobile devices are actually accessing your website and um, connecting with you in the mobile world, it gives you a little bit of feedback regarding your fans um, for mobile. And there's a lot of free platforms out there that will allow you to create at least a basic app for free. So you could start by doing that and then see how many installs you're getting and how people are interacting with the app. And then if you think it's worthwhile, take it to the next step and invest more resources and time into that. And just quickly, uh, do you have a website? Yes. Do you have Google Analytics on your website? Yes. If you go in there, you can see who's used a mobile browser. If it's a decent percentage, that's going to be a good uh, indicator for whether you should go and... But but in general, everything's moving mobile. I think the yeah. last like this this past year, uh, December thirty first, the, the last dumb phone was made, and so moving forward, on, <laughs> no seriously, only smartphones are being made. So um, moving forward, everybody's gonna be interacting with mm -hmm. with the mobile the mobile phone, and so Bandcamp. Uh, if you set up Bandcamp and sell music off of there, their sites are mobile optimized automatically, which is pretty dope. Um, mobile Roadie, Conduit. Um, and uh, there, there are a couple others, but just Google that. Um, mobile optimize, mobile optimized just means that when you go to a website on your phone, it, you don't have to. It's not like all small, and um, you know, like you have to like kind of zoom in a bunch to to navigate it. It's it's um, it means it's mo it's optimized for this particular screen. The buttons are bigger. Um, there are clear actions to, for people to take. We have, we have two more minutes, and how many more questions? <laughs> okay. So three questions, I hope we can get those three. I don't know if we'll be able to. We'll try. We will try. Hello. <laughs> my name is MC Ugalips. Actually, I'm a beatboxer, so <laughs> that was just my intro. But my question is, is there a website that will allow me to connect with a manager? Or like people who want to do social media stuff for me? Is there is there like a network other than Facebook <laughs> and the existing ones that exist where I can be like, this is what I do. Manage me right now. Yes. Xavier said LinkedIn. Is mm -hmm. and and that's true. You you can find people there. Mark Rennie, he's the manager for Incubus. Steve Rennie, Steve Rennie sorry, that's right. <laughs> Steve Rennie, Mark Rennie is the lawyer for venues in the city. Steve Rennie, uh, RenmanMB.com. Uh, he does a show every week, uh, three times a week, um, where he brings you know different managers, big time, you know on 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 air, and you can just go and talk to them there. Twitter, mm -hmm. hit him, hit everybody up on Twitter. Um, they will write you back. Sometimes, <laughs> and if you don't, if you don't have a manager, uh, a lot of times it does help to start with a, a friend or a family member who can help you with the managerial stuff, who truly believes in what you're trying to do. Because the last thing you want is somebody representing you or working with you on your behalf that doesn't really, really love what you do and believe in it 100%. It's, that's that's actually the most important piece. Just find a friend that just, or like a fan that's like so crazy about you and is somewhat businessly inclined, and that will go way farther than like a big time manager. Do we have another? Yeah. Okay, one we last question. Okay, last question. Sorry. 
over here. Hey, I'm Stefan. I, I, I kind of have a general question, but I'll try to pinpoint, but I consider myself an Uber fan that can't play any music. I always tell people not to get a website because I can't remember the last time I've been on a band's website, even though I'm crazy about music. Am I an exception or like, at what point are you saying that bands should get a website, uh, even though you guys all make applications for platforms instead of people's websites? I, I think you're correct. Um, I think the, the main point that you should take away from this is you should have control with your uh, fan base and so have a direct connection whether that's email or their phone number or something like that. So use the platforms to create that uh, direct connection. I don't necessarily think you have to you know, have your website or be on a, a specific platform for that. Um, you need to be easily found and that's, that's why people go, uh, set up their presences on big platforms because you know you use Facebook, I use Twitter, Brian uses you know, YouTube, whatever, to find these people. And so make sure you're easily you know, found. And then after that, you're, you're creating that direct connection. Because you're right, it's, uh, most, most websites are hard to navigate or hard to find, uh, not wet, mobile optimized, which most people are finding you on these days. And so uh, that'd be my take. Yeah. I think it's mm. important to have. I mean, I do too. It's it's not it's not difficult to set up a website. Uh, it doesn't need to be as active as your other. Uh, you know, you can pull in all streams from different sites. But the thing you want to avoid is, I think what Jay's saying is correct in insofar as you know, have the have the email address, have the mobile number, you know, whatever connections you can build and keep. Um, but a website is just sort of it can be a home base and it can be the place where you present yourself as you want to be presented without blue banners up the top and lots of little red flashing things saying I've got messages. Right. And you know, artist sites do get traffic. They come from Google, they come from other places, but you're, you are in the majority, absolutely in the majority. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have a website, especially given there's really no excuse in this day and age when it's drag and drop and easy and it takes you a day and you've got a website and it's like your thing, it's your place, it's your castle. So I think it's absolutely worth spending that time to set it up, but it's just you shouldn't expect it to have this massive tidal wave of traffic all the time. You need to be active on other platforms, and you choose a platform for your website that allows you to bring in from Twitter, bring in from Facebook, and you know YouTube and Switchcam and whatever other sites you want to be using. Um, and I th that's that's the important piece. Yeah, and I think one really quick thing: part of the reason probably why you don't go to artists' websites is often because artists aren't directing you there. And a lot of times, artists don't effectively direct their traffic from their webs, their mobile, I'm sorry, their social platforms into their owned platforms. Yeah. So that is also part of it as well. But I, I definitely think that at least at minimal, you should have some kind of owned website presence um, for yourself. I think too, though, it's important just to tell musicians if they're asking you, should I have a website or not? You know, to get back to your question is, uh, if the artist wants to invest the time in making it a good website and putting great content there and stuff like that because I do think the only thing worse than not having a website is having a really crappy website that you don't right. ever touch or maintain or engage with on the back end because why would anybody want to go there and that can really hurt your brand and and sort of your presence online if people go to a website that has nothing there it's sort of an empty room and it looks like crap and it's obvious that the artist isn't engaged there so which is exactly the same as if you have a twitter account with no posts or a facebook account with no posts right. but I'll, I'll give some some data so we power websites we power facebook and twitter and pandora and a couple other places and uh, your website gets about 25 percent of uh, the traffic that you get at facebook so thank you guys so much thanks to the panelists thank you guys and i encourage you to Catch up with us at some point later in the day if there's other questions. Sorry we couldn't get to all of them. Thank you. Mm -hmm.